We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go to the mailbag, Ryan, and we have some questions here, and we'll get to some more. I've got a lot more. I've got a star here. Uh, We had an interesting conversation going on during the show about um, World War II, so I'll answer that, but I'm going to kind of get to that one later in the show so we kind of get some football stuff here uh, discussed as well. So I want to start off with uh, Salty Virginia Peanuts, Ryan, has a question. What are the rules with players considering transfer on visits? Can they take anything like an official visit where the school pays travel costs? Yeah, they can, Salty. Um, In fact, the defensive tackle, Braden Fisk, out of Western Michigan, just went on an official visit to Notre Dame last weekend. So they are allowed to take official visits. And, uh, yeah, so that that is allowed. Um, I mean, I think more more often than not, though, you're going to see some officials obviously out there for some players, but there's also going to be a lot of in-home visits over the next couple weeks with with a lot of coaches traveling. Like I know Braden Fisk, and I had this on an update on the on the – on the site a few days ago, but Braden, the only scheduled visit he had was to Notre Dame. That was an official visit. And then he has a ton of coaches that are going to be traveling to his parents' home in Michigan city, Indiana to just come through and, you know, present their vision and talk to them, all that good stuff. But to the question, yes, official visits are allowed for graduate transfers. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's the next question here. Uh, Z Andretti, can we see a whole new defense next year? I would say, Ryan, the answer to that would be, depends on who's the defensive coordinator. If you're going to have Al Golden, then things probably aren't going to change a lot, although I do think there are a lot of tweaks are needed. If you have a new defensive coordinator, then yeah, we'll see a whole new defense. But as of right now, I anticipate Al Golden coming back. I haven't heard anything about him not being back, so no reason to dive into that conversation, Ryan. It, it appears that he will be back as, as of right now. That's what we know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you're going to see the same defensive structure, but I definitely believe, yeah. Ryan, that some tweaks are needed from what we saw this season. Well, I think there's – I mean, like we talk about structure a lot. I mean, yet to your point, right, structure is going to be the same. It's the philosophy that I think that can change a little bit, right? The What do you want to accomplish out of these looks? What are different wrinkles that you want to throw into your four-two-five base, to your, three, to your three-man front, to your different coverage variations? I agree. I think that – and I, I expect this, if I'm being honest. I do expect this. I think that Marcus Freeman is the type that is going to sit down – with Coach Golden, you know, assuming that he's back, kind of like you're saying, and they'll go over, you know, kind of a end of the season, like, hey, what worked for us? What needs to improve? Where do we need to get some different wrinkles? What do we need to do to accentuate this to an even higher level? But, I mean, to the question, to Zay's question, no, I don't think that there's going to be a dramatic scheme shift, but I think there can be some philosophical shifts within the scheme, and I think there needs to be, because I think that we saw – a lot of good out of the defense, but then we saw structurally there's just some things that need to be better, right? Like run game needs to be more consistent. Your philosophy going into football games as far as the game plan needs to be a little better. Your 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 adjustments that you make going into second halves needs to change a little bit. Maybe you need to have a little more trust at certain positions. Yeah. Things definitely need to change the wrinkles part of it, but I think that structurally I agree. I think it'll stay the same. Ron, I think, too, I think you made a good point because when I was answering my question, I'm looking at it from a standpoint of schematically. But I think there's a lot of merit to philosophically making some pretty big changes. And what I mean by philosophy is not you're going to go from a 4-2-5 to a 3-3-5. That's structural. I'm not talking about you're going to go from, you know, a team that never blitzes to blitzes all the time or a team that blitzes all the time. I'm not talking about that kind of philosophy. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about what is your approach to just how you go about your business every day. And then also what is your approach to what is the heart at the heart of the, of the system. Right. And, and Marcus Freeman, I'm very curious to hear how his conversations without golden go in the off season. There's only so much you can do in a, during it. People, people that think you can just go in there and just like throw everything out and start over from scratch in the middle of the season. It just doesn't work that way. No. The big changes happen in the off season. Right. One of the things that Marcus Freeman believed in wholeheartedly, and we saw this as in his one year at Notre Dame, we saw it in his year at in his years at Cincinnati, is and he's preached it verbally as well. Is it's not about me and how smart I am as much as it's about 
you've got to let the players play. Mm -hmm. And we heard, I heard from sources during his one year at coordinator that early on he was doing a lot of things and the players weren't quite getting it. And so he quickly recognized that and, and saw the, the big mistakes they were making. And instead of saying, I can't believe KJ Wallace went under on that safety. I can't believe that Kyle Hamilton and DJ Brown had those bad fits. I can't believe this guy X. It was, I'm clearly putting too much on them that these smart kids are making mental mistakes and they changed pretty quickly. Yep. And by the end of the year, they were playing elite football because everybody talks about, Oh, how bad the teams were. They played down the stretch. True. But mm -hmm. what they did play down the stretch is a lot of teams that had really good offenses and they still shut them down for the most part. And so we saw a lot of that success. Now they weren't perfect. You know, the North Carolina game and the scrambles were problematic, but then they bounced back from that with just brilliant performances after that. And the changes that he made were very much a, I'm putting too much on them. It's not allowing them to play fast and play sound and be physical. Yep. And that's Al Golden was that on steroids in my opinion. Because so much of what Al Golden was doing was based on stops coming from scheme. Now, scheme is important. And anyone that tells you otherwise doesn't know what they're talking about. Scheme is important. You've got to put them in position to be successful. And then you've got to allow them to go then play their game. The counter to that, however, is when you put too much emphasis on scheme, it becomes more about we're making stops because of all the different things we do. And if you're going to put your emphasis on making stops on scheme, it means you're going to feel the need to have a check for everything, an adjustment for everything, a counter to this, a counter to that, where sometimes it's just like, go make a play. Right. I, I just need you to go make a play. I, I, I'm not going to give you a million checks. Yes. If they switch this strength from here to here, we've got to make a check to this, but go play football, go make a right. play. And, and I think that Al Golden did way too much understandably where he came from at the NFL. You can't just go play. You've, if, if you just try to line up and go play, you better hope you've got 11 all pros on your team because you're going to get ripped up in the NFL. It's not that mm -hmm. way in college, it, right. it, not to the degree that we see. And so, that's a big change that has to happen. Mm -hmm. That to me is not how I took the initial question. So I'm glad that you brought that up because that's a great point it is, is philosophically, mm -hmm. not structurally. We need to see a lot of changes. Yeah. And, well, and I'm curious how that's going to play out. I mean, and every team is unique to its own self, right? I mean, like next year, like Brian coming into this year, right? You're like, okay, I have Cam Hart who's incredibly talented corner, can play a lot of man coverage, but you're like Clarence Lewis, that's not really his game, right? Like you need to mix and match zone, for instance, right? To make him as good as possible as an outside corner. Well, going into next year, if you have Cam Hart and Benjamin Morris in a corner, I would hope that you're playing a little more man, right? Like I, I would hope so, or at least some match match zone coverage type of, type of stuff as well, right? Like I would hope that that would change a little bit. Defensive line-wise, if you have – a couple really good pass rushers and you don't need to blitz as much like philosophically, like I'm just going to stick to a four man pressure and just let my team roll that way. Right. But then if you don't have much of a pass rush, then that's where you need to manufacture pressure. So each team is unique to itself. I think that the, this team this year, when you came into the season is going to look a lot different than next year, right? Like you looked into this season, you're like, I have a known commodity in Isaiah Foskey. I have a known commodity in Jason Amalola. They can create pressure. Maybe I'll do a little bit more, just four man pressures early on in the season. Maybe I'll mix and match zone and man because that's the corner I, the, the corner grouping that I have right now. Next year, maybe you're more of a heavy man team because that's what you have at corner. 
maybe you're more of a manufacturer team as far as different pressure packages that you bring. Every not team just is corner, but itself. safety too, Ryan. I mean, exactly. you, you know, you get you get Peyton Bowen and Ramon Henderson and Xavier Watts. If those are your primary safeties next year, you've got a lot more man opportunities with your safeties as well, which then maybe yeah. says we can do some different things with our linebackers from a pressure mm-hmm. standpoint. Exactly. So there's a lot of different things that factor into. You may look at your defensive line and say, you know what, um, we're going to do a little bit more three down this year because we don't have, you know, that Isaiah Foskey type. This year, we got some big kids that are physical, but mm-hmm. we don't really have that Isaiah Foskey edge type. So, you know, we're going to go with two of those big kids. You know, we're going to go with Howard and Riley in a two man over there and then maybe have like a Josh Burnham, a, a Jason, Justin Adamiola type of guy at your other line, at your other end spot and then get an extra linebacker on the field. You know, maybe you go about it that way and still have five DBs on the field. So there's a lot of things to your point, Ryan, that could change next year. But those are those are more structural things. In my yes. view, those are all structural things that are part of evolving based on your talent level, right? Like, I don't think I don't see Tommy Reese being as infatuated with 12 and 13 personnel next year as he was this year. I think this year he's always going to run 12 personnel, I believe. Mm-hmm. But your your roster is going to look different next year. Yep, You're not going to have Michael Mayer. So you're not going to build your pass game around the tight end the way that you did this year. You're just not going to. And that was, you, you know, the last two years were somewhat three years were somewhat unique because early on in 2000 and in uh, 2020, it was receiver oriented a lot. I mean, you saw Javon McKinley being the guy now Mayer put up really good production, but it was a, it was a outside receiver running back tight end mix in 2020. Mm-hmm. Last year we saw it as more of a balanced mix with, you know, Mayer and, and, and Kevin Austin were big focal points of the past game, both of them. This year was very Michael Mayer driven because that's what the personnel dictated. Uh, At least that's how he felt the personnel dictated it. So we've seen some adjustments there, but those are all structural. Those aren't philosophical. Where this Notre Dame staff needs to sort of have a heart to heart with themselves is what are the philosophical changes we need to make? And when I talk philosophy, I'm not talking about, do you go tempo or not? I'm not talking about, do you run duo or, you know, more, you know, mix duo in with more inside zone counter. That's not, that's structural. I think the philosophical stuff is the things that need to be – I guess tempo could be considered part of a philosophy because it involves just how you go about your business every day. So that one, I think, and fits. You, and you're not changing the structure of your offense. You're just doing it at a different pace, right? Right, so, which requires yeah. a lot of philosophical changes from a strength conditioning pro standpoint. From Because what people got to understand is if you're going to be a tempo team all the time, you got to start building for that in January. Because your whole strength conditioning program is going to change. And we're not calling for that. We're just making a point that that's sort of one of those philosophical changes because it requires so much of a change in how you go about your business every day. Right. Whereas mixing up your run game doesn't require you to make that kind of change. It just means we're just going to practice things a little differently and maybe teach things a little bit differently. So I think that's that's some really good stuff there. Some really good stuff there. Here's a question, Ryan, I'm going to get to. A comment that I want to get to uh, here from from John Christophic. John says Drew Pine should have announced after the bowl game that he's entered the transfer portal. So here, here's my issue. Mm-hmm. Number one is what I said at the time is I didn't like his decision, but I wanted to wait till I got more information. That's what we said when it happened live. Mm-hmm. Because one of the things we'd mentioned then was we don't know the particulars of the portal stuff and all the quarterback movement that maybe he felt he had a choice. But here's the, here's what I know. 
whether you agree with Notre Dame's decision or not, I, I respect the fact that the Notre Dame coaches went to Drew now and told him now this is what we're doing. Before the portal opened up, before all the quarterback movement started, this is what we're doing, knowing there's a chance that he would enter the portal. Now, what I also know from talking to various sources is they didn't want him to leave. He chose to leave. They did realize that that was a possibility, you know, uh, that that could happen, but it wasn't something that they necessarily wanted him to do. Right. But here's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. In when you when I got twofold aspects of Drew's decision. One, I'm okay with the timing of it because there is going to be a lot of quarterback movement. If he does want to be, why is he leaving? He's not leaving. His feelings were hurt, right? He was, but his feelings were hurt because he felt he'd done enough to be a starting quarterback. Right. Agree or not with him, that's what he feels. Mm-hmm. And if you if he if he feels that way, then he needs to be given an opportunity to go find that somewhere. Well, the sad reality of it is, is because the portal opens up now before bowl games, which is stupid, then the reality is, is he's got to, he's got to do it now. And, and if he's going to be, a, if he's going to go be somewhere and, you know, now the thing I would say is if, if Drew is going to still have to stay for another semester to graduate, and I don't know what the timing of his graduation, then I would say maybe you could have stayed, mm-hmm. but he has to find a new home. And he needs to make sure that he goes somewhere. You let all the dominoes fall, then you pick up the scraps of what's left. That's not an ideal situation for Drew. So I understand it. My issue is not so much that he left or the timing of when he left. My issue is how he left. That's my problem. Because agree with it or not, Notre Dame coaches went to Drew face-to-face like a man and told him this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. I've been told by a lot of different sources, like at least at least six different people have told me this, that the Notre Dame staff was caught off guard, not that he left, but that he just they just leaked it and did it and didn't actually tell them that he was doing it. It's kind of like we went to you like a grown man and, and were face-to-face with you and gave you what we believe to be a hard truth. You can give us hard truth in return by saying you're not coming back, but you should pay us the same courtesy of of letting us know you're leaving the same way we did it to you, which is face-to-face. And I think that's what has some people disappointed. That's what I'm disappointed in. I think that's, I think that's the only thing Drew is going to look back on from his Notre Dame tenure and regret. I think he's going to not regret he gave it everything he had. He was a great mm-hmm. teammate, great leader. You know, physically and emotionally gave you everything he had. Now, I think he was pl- capable of playing better. That's the one thing I've never said he gave you. It's as good of a player as he's going to be. I don't think he played to his full potential. Not that he was going to look like Baker Mayfield if he would have stayed and gotten better, but he was better than the guy we saw at, at times this season. But as far as the things that the work ethic, the attitude, the leadership, all that character stuff, all that checks out, he's going to be proud of everything he put into this program in that regard. I think he is going to look back and say, uh, not that I, I think he is wrong for being mad. He has every right to be upset with it. He has every right to think he deserved to start the bowl game. Agree or disagree with him is fine, but I have no, I don't, it's like, I can, I can respect that you hold a view, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I can respect that you think, Hey, I, I believe I should have started the game and, and still not agree with you. Right. Sure. I, I know in our country, we have this thing where if we don't agree, it means you're, you're wrong and a bad person and <laughs> must be destroyed. 
Uh, but I don't that, think that's that way. What, that's what Twitter told me. Yeah, so Twitter tells everybody. I don't believe that. I think I can respect where you're coming from and just not agree with you. I don't agree with Drew's conclusion, but I, but I believe he believes it wholeheartedly, and he's worked his butt off to get there. I have no problem with him being upset. I have no problem with him leaving. I respect it. I'll always have Drew's back in that regard. I just, I just think he's going to look back in ten years and be like, man, I just should have handled it a little bit differently. Yeah. I think that's the thing that I would have. That would be my advice to him if I were, if I were to look back and say, hey, I, what would you have changed? What would you have done differently? That's the only thing. If I was advising Drew, that's the only thing I would have done differently. Is just, hey, man, go to them face to face. Yeah. And let him know. or at least call him, you know, do a FaceTime right. or a Zoom with him, you know, or at least you get some sort of face to face. Don't just let them make them find out because it got leaked by Pete Thamel. That would well, be my my only issue. And the transfer portal really does force your hand, doesn't it, man? Like, Timing it is, wise, yeah. it's, it's gross how much it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's his choice to enter, but like to the timing portion of it for sure i mean because i mean brian right now we already have two quarterbacks that i know of that have already committed to a new school and i look at it like okay phil jerkovic's going to pittsburgh right Cade mcnamara's going to iowa those could have been two potential fits for drew pine potentially right like couldn't you see him fitting into a pittsburgh team pretty well or an iowa team pretty well like that may have been a solid fit for for drew so unfortunately i think the system of how the transfer portals run is forcing kids hands a lot. I do think that if it was opened at a little bit of a later date, that maybe some kids would see it all the way through. But to your point, that's what the market is dictating right now. So it's unfortunate in that regard, but I agree completely. Cause as soon as you called me that the one night after it happens and just talked about kind of the circumstances, I, I didn't anticipate it ending like that for Drew Pine. Yeah. And I have a very high opinion of him as a young man. I haven't heard yes. anything negative about him in the past. And I think that he he did give mentally and physically, to your point, everything that he had, right? Like he tried hard day in and day out. And it's just, it is unfortunate that this is the last part of the puzzle because I think that it should have been a different way. I expected him to transfer. But the circumstances, I expect it to be a lot different, for sure. Next question here we have from um, Bobby Halfacre. Thank you, Bobby. Brian and Ryan, just curious, what would you guys think of either Card, Hudson Card from Texas or the kid from uh, NC State, Devin Leary, would either open up the offense and the uh, up that we've heard so much about? Let's I start, think, Ryan, with – let's start yeah. with – we'll take them one by one. Sure. Let's start with Hudson Card. Mm-hmm. obviously him and Devin O'Leary come from very different experience backgrounds. Hudson card has yeah. been a spot starter. He's not been a full-time starter. I think he's played pretty well at times in the games he played, especially this year. He doesn't have the experience Devin Leary has, so, but let's just kind of talk about what he brings to the table. Number one, two years of left instead of just one. Yep. Uh, two years to actually play. Again, we explained this the other day. He could be at Notre Dame for three years, but one of them would have to involve him redshirting, and that's not something Notre Dame or Hudson Card are interested in doing. Uh, Notre Dame is is obviously one of the teams involved here. I, I would imagine other programs are also pushing for Hudson Card. Mm-hmm. But he is a kid to me, Ryan, that would he open up the offense? Yes, I believe he would. Why don't you take first crack as far as explaining why? Because I know we both agree that he would open up the offense to the, yeah. the degree that's just that can be discussed. But Ryan, what are some of the things that first of all you see from Hudson Card on? Because we've both spent a lot of time watching all twenty-two film from the last two years, so we've really had a chance to break down Hudson Card. Well, I think for me that the he has a nice 
physical profile as far as being a dual threat quarterback, right? Like he has a good amount of arm strength. I actually thought he threw a pretty nice deep ball for the most part. Like there were a couple misses on film, but I thought that he was able to push the ball down the field a little bit and he's a good athlete. And I think the potential that he brings also, Brian, that we haven't personally talked about, I think together is that the, some of the things that you want to do with a Tyler Buckner when he's fully healthy, right. With some of the read zone stuff and the quarterback run game and maybe move in the pocket a little bit at times, you can do all that stuff with Hudson Card as well, and he could effectively do that, right? Like he's not the exactly the runner. He's not going to do it. Dy- uh, he's going to be more of a chain mover as opposed right. to a, a dynamic bot guy. But yes, you don't exactly. lose completely the element of read zone mm-hmm. quarterbacks running type of thing from it. Yes. What, what, when Tyler Buckner gets hurt and Drew Pine becomes your quarterback, your offense is just going to look a little bit different. Some of the philosophical things moving from a Buckner to a card or a card to a Buckner will be a little different, but structurally it'll be the same, right? You can still run the read zone stuff. You can still run the RPO stuff. You could still do all the stuff that you potentially want to do because your quarterback is a good athlete. It's just going to look a little different when Buckner's running a comparative to card to your point. Right. But I think structurally you can stay the same and a, you know, a cohesive offense moving forward. And I think from a athleticism perspective, Card is a good overall athlete, can move the chains, can do some read zone stuff. He's a good athlete overall. But I think his arm is is plus in that regard, right? He can push the ball down the field. I think he can open things up too because I think that he can run a lot of spread stuff and be able to work some outside verticals and do all that type of stuff. So I like Hudson Card, man. I think that he has a nice physical profile. He, from a what you're looking for perspective in the quarterback room, this is more the standard that you want to look for, right? Like if Hudson Carr is developed properly, I can buy into him having NFL tools because he has a good arm. He is a good athlete. He is a pretty big kid. I mean, he's 6'2", 200 plus pounds, and he saw substantial room to put weight on his frame if he if that's what you choose to do. So I think that he can do all those things, and I think structurally you can keep the offense the same. I think things I like about him relative to what he would bring to the Notre Dame offense, Ryan, you talked a lot about that. I think he would bring, uh, if you compare him to Tyler Buckner, for example, Tyler brings more dynamic running ability, significantly more so. I think the attractiveness to a guy like Hudson Card is, is as much as I love Tyler Buckner's potential, what he has not shown in games, whether it was last season against Virginia Tech and some other games or this season, is he has not shown he has not carried his he has not carried the anticipation skills we see from him in practice into Saturdays. Number one, number two, his ball placement is still leaves a lot to be desired, even on completions. I think those are things to me that Hudson Card I think thrives at. Neither of them have huge arms, but Tyler Buckner has been a guy that in the past in high school and in practice and even in 2021 showed really nice touchdown the field throwing the football. Hudson Card struggled with that, I thought, in 2021. Mm-hmm. I thought he was better in that area in 2022. Yep. So, and part of that's having better receivers and just look, knowing the system a little bit more. And and even then, it's still hard to come fully evaluate it because he's going from backup, getting most of his reps with backups, to being thrust into the starting lineup where he's throwing deep balls to guys he hasn't necessarily spent as much time throwing the ball to, which is part of it. Sure. But I think he does bring a lot of that to the table. And the reality is, is – he can get the ball out quick. He's a very quick decision maker on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that helps him. And the other part, too, is he's coming from a system that's very complex in, in a lot. Steve Sarkeesian doesn't run a million plays, 
but there's a lot of different reads and a lot of different layers to what he does. And so I think you're going to, you're going to have to be a kid that knows how to make checks that knows how to go process through full field reads and all those type of things to, to run a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Would you agree with that? Yes. Would you agree with 100%. that, Ryan? Yep. Should okay. be an easy transition from a mental perspective. No doubt about it. Devin Leary is an interesting one. We put this on the message board. So I'm, I'm hearing from sources on one side that I don't think that make me believe that I don't think Notre Dame is going to be the place for Devin Leary. I hear that on one side. Then I have someone reach out to me from the other side and say that people on the NC State side of things think that Notre Dame is where he's going to end up. So we'll see how this all plays out. So I, what we're about to say is not us saying we think Devin Leary is a legitimate candidate. Candidate, um, We have put up our opinion on the message board. I'm going to continue to do some digging. But, but I have my doubts right now about whether or not he's going to be a candidate. Let's mm-hmm. talk about Devin Leary, and we'll begin with the negative. The yep. biggest question mark that I have about Devin Leary and the biggest red flag for me of what I know about Devin Leary is I am very nervous about taking a kid with his checkered injury history and putting him in a quarterback at Notre Dame. You've got the upper body injury this year, which cost him a whole season. You have the lower body injury two years ago before his great year. He's basically the college version of what Tyler Buckner was in high school. One great year surrounded mm-hmm. by two years where he was his season was cut short by injuries. How is that any different than Tyler Buckner? Because here's the reality of it. The reason that that makes me nervous, Ryan, is, is if Tyler Buckner doesn't get hurt this year, I don't think we're having this conversation. Probably not. I don't think we're talking about a transfer portal quarterback because he'd have had the 12 games under his belt to go out there and prove what he was, and I think he would have been really good. But that's me projecting. I don't know that because mm-hmm. he got hurt again. Sure. You can't go into next season with two incredibly talented players with huge checkered pass from an injury standpoint and feel really good about it. You also have to consider the fact that Devin Leary's not going to be allowed to start throwing again until around spring ball, which means he's going to miss several months of work with the current group of receivers and and, and from a timing standpoint. That can't be ignored. Mm Mm-hmm. It can't be ignored, especially so like if I were to say Devin Leary is here and Hudson Card is here, all the other intangibles have to have to put Hudson Card ahead of him, in my opinion. So when I look at those two guys, that's how I feel. Having said that, if you were to tell me that Devin Leary is going to check all the boxes off the field, all the boxes at classroom, all the boxes leadership wise, and you knew for a fact that he was going to be 100% healthy all year next year, mm-hmm. he's one of the best in the market. Because he's a very talented thrower of the football, Ryan. Yeah, and he he's another kid, Brian, that I think that he throws an exceptional deep ball, man. He can really – he his pace of velocity is is good to the short to intermediate level of the field, but I think the, the difference is that he really knows how to throw a touch down the field, and he does it incredibly well. I think he's a pretty quick processor. He's a really tough kid, which I think is a reason for – a little bit of the injuries at times, right? Because he's, I mean, he's not afraid to stay in there and get his nose dirty, right? But, I mean, Brian, for me, the one thing that I really like about Devin Leary a ton too is I think when you go back to the 2021 film where he was phenomenal, I mean, 35 touchdowns to five interceptions, some of his best work is off of play action. He's a really, really dangerous play action quarterback pushing it intermediate to deep. And when you ha- when he had Zonovan Knight, and he had Ricky Person running the football two seasons ago. 
he looked like one of the best quarterbacks in all of college football. And I think that structurally, if it did make sense for Notre Dame, going into next season, having Audrick Estimate, Logan Diggs, and that running back room to work off of the play-action game and do those types of things, I think Devin Leary would be a good fit structurally into this offense. It's just, to your point, can you depend on him health-wise? Does he fit into the program? Those are the question marks that we have, and I think that it will be a tiebreaker potentially to uh, to which guy you end up picking or the guy that you end up honing in on. We have another portal question that I'm just going to kind of get down to here, Ryan, just to kind of mm-hmm. stay on track with that. And where where was it? Uh, there was one about Pratt. Here we go from Derek Calmer. He says, uh, does Notre Dame wait around for a guy like Michael Pratt? That feels like a, 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 uh, a Dante Moore situation over again, eggs in one basket. Obviously, Michael Pratt is the quarterback of Tulane. It's not known if he will jump in the portal. There's a lot of talk mm-hmm. that he would. But that talk about him going in the portal surfaced around when Willie Fritz was supposedly going to be leaving to go to Georgia Tech. Right now, Fritz is staying at least for now. I don't, I don't know if that means he's definitely staying at Tulane. It definitely means he's not taking the Georgia Tech job. There's still other jobs out there to be had, but I, I don't know if any of them would be necessarily that much more attractive to him than Georgia Tech. I mean, Louisville. I mean, I don't know what those jobs are. I, if I'm Louisville, I'm I'm keen on one dude and one dude only. I'm I'm basically. And I can give them – hey, my wife and I stayed, stay in West Lafayette for a week. I can give them some tips on where they can stay until they can convince <laughs> Jeff Brom to take the job. I mean, that's, that's what I'm doing if I'm Louisville. Having said that, you know, Michael Pratt's an intriguing player, guy Ryan, because of the three guys we talked about, just pure arm talent. He's got the best arm talent out there. He's got a lot, very live arm. Yeah. When his mechanics are right, he throws a very catchable ball as well, very accurate ball couple things that, that that one of the big concerns I had about him was was that Tulane doesn't ask him to do a whole lot. Well, they asked mm-hmm. him to do a lot more in the in the AAC title game, and he ripped UCF up. <laughs> so that was good to see. Yep. But, you know, he's a good athlete, not a great athlete, but he's a good mm-hmm. athlete. But he doesn't avoid pressure the way that you would think a guy that runs like he runs can avoid. And my point is – there's a lot to be intrigued by, and if we're mm-hmm. talking about NFL draft, it's him, Hudson Card, and Devin Leary because Devin Leary has huge medicals, right? Yes. That that, but Michael Pratt's clearly here for me, experience, mm-hmm. production, all that stuff. But he's also going to need some refinement, in my opinion, and that he would is. be my one concern: is do you really want to take a guy that you got to kind of refine him to fit what you do? Because he was great at that level. Mm-hmm. but he was able to get away with things because he was playing at that level. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get away with those things against Kansas State. He was a 500 pass or 50% passer in that game. Didn't It was one of his worst games of the year. He hasn't been great in those moments. He was pretty good against Oklahoma two years ago, but their defense mm-hmm. stinks. Ole yeah. Miss, he wasn't as good against Ole Miss last year. He wasn't very good against Kansas State this year. His team won, but he won, not because of him necessarily – so that's my concern is that jump up again in, in 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 talent. Can he get away with the things that like he's fit some throws in there? I'm like, well, that's a great throw, but uh that's not working against Bama or that's not working against Georgia. You know what I mean, Ryan? Mm-hmm. And that would be one of the concerns I have about Michael Pratt. Uh, but just pure God-given ability, and that kid's really good. He yeah. is really good. And he's a really talented kid. I mean, it doesn't take long either, Brian. He's like one of those like two two throw guys where you're just like, yep, <laughs> ball comes out nice, man. <laughs> the ball comes out 
with extreme amount of velocity. I mean, you're talking about the guys that can fit tight windows. This is the best guy that we talked about today. Like Card can do it to a degree. Leary has done it, but I mean, Pratt, he can test some windows, man, and he can push the ball vertically. I mean, I've seen him throw some really nice touch throws outside the numbers, you know, in in a couple games this year. I agree that there's a little more volatility to him from a playing style perspective. I agree. I, I think that he needs refinements. I do not argue against that at all. I would. I the only thing I'll say though is that if you believe in your coaching staff and you believe that you can get the best out of the player, then it's not even a comparison, right? Like if you get the best out of Michael Pratt, then you got a dude, man. You got a dude. Uh-oh. I gave my opinion. Uh huh. Right. I'm uh-huh. sure the Notre Dame coaching staff has a different opinion of their ability to develop players. Sure. My whole thing, though, is I don't know if I want to do that. If I, if it, unless a guy is so much better than another player, that it's worth it to me. But they're also right that you got to run the risk of if you wait around and put all your eggs in the Michael Pratt basket. And what if he doesn't jump in the portal? What if he takes an NIL deal somewhere else? Right. Now you're stuck without a quarterback. You can't afford that. That's true. That's true. He's not that much better that you can you can do that. If Drake May liked us as a coaching staff, if I'm gonna, and he liked us and and he was actually gonna be open if he jumps in the portal and was actually like it's funny CBS thing had a report today that, that they expect Drake May to jump in the portal. And, like three uh, days ago? and and they made it seem like he'd be open. I'm like y'all, Drake May is not jumping the portal. I'm like okay. I'm starting my recruitment over again. He's going in there with schools he knows he's going to look he, at. Come he on, knows, He knows where he's going to go. Mac Brown's flat out yeah. said it. I mean, he didn't say Drake May. People keep saying Mac Brown said Drake May. He didn't say Drake May. He just said I had a starter who has 15 offers and NIL offers already. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, it's, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, I'm not a big fan of what Drake May is doing. And I'll be honest to, to you as well. I don't love – I wouldn't love it if Michael Pratt jumped in. That would say something to me if Michael Pratt jumped in the portal. Like your team just won an AAC championship. Your coach has committed three years to building you up. You were a kid who, I mean, let's look at what his, what his uh, high school ranking was like a three-star coming out of high school. Right. Yeah. So you were the, let's pull it up here real quick. According to the on three consensus, you were the number 1,150 player in the country. You know, 247 had you as the number 1,365 player in the country. That school recruited you, built you up, turned you into a guy that people did covet. You all went to the Cotton Bowl together, mm-hmm. and you're going to bail, right? Like, I, that just doesn't sit well with me, Ryan, especially for a quarterback. You know, and, and I understand how oh, he's got to do what's best for him and all that. Well, what what does that mean next year if he's got a bad ankle injury and he's got NFL draft on the line? Is he going to play through that injury or is he going to do what's best for him and not play? Right. You know, like mm-hmm. that says something to me. It may not be fair, but that's how I view it. And this, and I feel the same way about Drake May, to be completely honest with you. You know, yeah. like um, it, it would have been a lot different because when we were starting hearing about the the Michael Pratt stuff, it was because Willie Fritz was going to leave. Correct. Right? Like that's a completely different. Then I'd have had no problem, no problem, mm-hmm. no problem. Yep. Because so, your coach, and if your Will, coach leaves, yeah. and exactly, all bets so. are off, man. All bets mm-hmm. are off mm-hmm. at that point in time. So yes, you are correct. You are mm-hmm. correct. So I'm very curious how that's going. And you know he's talking. People, you can't wait. Look, let me explain something about this question too. <laughs> it's not legal. But these kids in there, they're, 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 
every school in the country that wants Michael Pratt is having conversations with Michael Pratt, or at least his people. Brian, right. I, I mean, say, come on. Can I say this? I'll, I'll say this and I'm not going to say names or anything, but I am friends with a, with a person that works in a recruiting department of a school, a power five school as well, that there's a player that just entered the portal that they have been talking to since the summer guys, this is not something that just happens. Literally they've been talking to him for months in case he entered the portal after this season. So this stuff happens, man. It, you mm-hmm. can hate it. You can loathe it. And a lot of it I do, but this is the world we live in. These decisions are not made as soon as these kids enter the portal. These are decisions that have been made for weeks months it's just the reality of where we are right now mm-hmm. it's uh and schools do it because they know the NSA will do nothing about it oh no not a dang thing about it nothing at all another portal qu- quarterback question from john a1 is jt daniels a guy Notre Dame should consider look john Please there's no. always going to be a a you always have to ask yourself that as a staff I believe you always have to at least spend five minutes talking about JT Daniels. Cause here's the reality of it. That kid still throws a, a beautiful ball. And when he's on, he's really good. Even this year, Ryan, we saw it in different games where, you know, sometimes you look at him, you're like, what happened to the kid that I remember watching? He was one of the best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen. And then there's other games this year. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's him. That's the guy. <laughs> The reality is the combination of injuries have sapped him of a decent amount of his athletic ability and talent. Mm-hmm. There's also a reason he's going on his fourth school. And I don't want to get too much into that, but there's a reason for that. There's mm-hmm. a there, and, and it's just not worth it. The injury history alone, it's just yeah. not worth it. Uh, the other parts of it, it's just not worth it. The mm-hmm. only way that I would bring JT Daniels in the only way is if you decided Buckner was your guy, you told JT that you're our backup. He's injury prone. We need a veteran that can step in and, and win us a championship in case he goes down. And he just wanted to get a master's degree. Mm-hmm. That'd be the only reason. Cause you're not going to get Hudson card and Michael Pratt or other guys with that being the premise of the discussion, right? You're not. It's not, it's not that, the Hunter, that, that's the Hunter Johnson route. It's right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That would be the only way mm-hmm. that I would be okay with it. And then you'd say, because you also have Angeli and Kenny Minchie to where if they mm-hmm. both go down, you can survive. Sure. You know, I, I would not like that because I still feel like you need it. You, you need a guy that can come in and play, but uh, that would be the only way I'd consider it, Ryan. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't say that's the only way I would do it. That's the only way I would consider it. But every staff is going to spend at least a minute talking about, J, you know, one to five minutes talking about JT Daniels. Cause you're going to sit there and say, man, but because here, here's what it is. You talk about, you said it earlier, Ryan, but what if you trust your, co- your coaches? Every quarterback's coach in the country that has confidence himself says, man, I wonder if I could get that guy back to what he was at modern day. Cause he was special. Yeah. You're going to have that thought. And then you're going to be like, no, I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you're going to have that thought, Ryan, because if you yeah. can ever get him back to being that kid, mm-hmm. he had special arm talent, mm-hmm. special arm talent. And I've seen it on film and I've seen it up close and personal. Even as a sophomore in high school, you're like, this kid spins this ball as good as anybody I've seen since like, you know, Everett Golson, Jimmy Clausen at Notre Dame. 
and that was at an Irish invasion camp. But this, the all the other stuff, Ryan, it just you can't, you can't justify yeah. with all the other stuff going on. There, there's a lot of baggage, and it's not yeah. baggage of him personally. I don't know JT Daniels, but it's the like you said, Brian. There's a reason that he's going to be at four different schools, right? There's a reason that he's lost job at multiple spots. A lot of it's due to injury, right? And that's a part of the baggage type of conversation. And this year, there were moments of really good football, and then there were moments of not really good football. So just not a kid that you can depend on right now. I mean, it's unfortunate to your degree because there was a reason that he was once a five-star recruit, right? And there's a reason that Mm -hmm. he reclassified and he was good enough to make that jump and he was highly coveted. Sure, all those things were there at one point just isn't that kid anymore, man. Unfortunately for him, it's just, he's not that guy anymore. And you're bringing in a, a huge wild card. You want to talk about Devin Leary being a wild card. JT Daniels is an even bigger wild card. Man. Oh, yeah. His, his high, his best production has not been nearly that of Devin Leary just hasn't. So yeah, it's a hard pass for me. I don't know the kid personally. I hope he lands at a good school and he does well, but just not this guy that he once was, unfortunately. Not even close. No. Not even close. <laughs> no. And that's the – look, Ryan, if he was close to the guy he was, it would be a lot longer than a five-minute conversation. Sure. Because if you just needed a quarterback for one year, say, look, we'll put up with the BS if that kid can throw it like he threw it in modern day. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But he's not yep. close to being that guy anymore. Yep. Not close. The and glimpses have been very far, few and far between the last couple of years. And, you know? and for me, you know, Notre Dame is a place where – you don't want to bring in a bunch of baggage for uh, for different vantage points, right? It's like I, I people keep asking about dude DJ Uyunglele. It's nothing against DJ's talent. I just think that the baggage that comes with him, with the just lack of confidence over the last couple of years, especially and how he doesn't fit in the system, I just don't think the fit makes sense, right? Like I just don't think it makes sense. Yeah, agree. Got some more portal questions here, but we'll we'll kind of start going back to the top and just kind of working through uh, different ones. The worst two K big men. HD, how many quarterbacks will we see in the game, and will they be allowed to run the normal offense? Uh, to the second one, yes, the Notre Dame's going to run their offense. I mean, they're going to run their normal offense. I don't think we're going to see the the heavy dose of quarterback runs mm-hmm. from Tyler Buckner. I don't think you need to. Uh, the reason you needed to do it early in the year is because your offensive line and your run game weren't going yet. You've right. got that now, and you're going against a team that's not very good at stopping the run. Now, neither was USC. So there is an element to where if they want to load the box, like if you'd have had Tyler, a healthy Tyler Buckner against USC, that game would look a lot different mm-hmm. because you would not have been able to slow. Because like one of the things about Notre Dame throwing the ball is their possessions went by a little quicker. Mm-hmm. And and that's not really where you necessarily wanted to be against that USC team. If you could have been able to grind out a, the first couple series and move the chains a little bit more, you know, let's say on second and, and, and six or seven, they're crashing hard up the middle and Tyler Buckner keeps a read zone and he just runs outside for 15 yards off some bam, you've moved the chains and you're now you're rolling. But I'm not making it the heavy dose of who I, who we are essentially, you know, but um, they're still going to run the offense because that you weren't doing that with Drew Pine. So it'll still be that offense. How many quarterbacks will we see? Well, I hope we see two, even if Tyler Buckner's the starter and plays every, you know, meaningful snap. I hope we see two because that would mean, there's a blowout, right? <laughs> I would love to see a blowout and get Steve Angeli in the game. But uh, so I hope we see two. I don't know. I don't know if Notre Dame knows what their plan is for that yet. They need to see because there's a lot of things you got to learn about Tyler. But what's his conditioning level over mm-hmm. the next you know 12 practices or so? How's he getting through practices physically? Is because you can measure all that stuff now with all the different you know 
things that they have to measure your speed and all your your fatigue factor and all these different things that they have uh, technologically wise. Right, they can see, boy, he's really wearing down halfway through practice. Mm-hmm. His 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 playing conditioning is not where it needs to be because he hasn't practiced and played. Then you may say, hey, we got to have a plan for Steve to to play every fourth series or something like that. You know, right. uh, there's there it'll dictate kind of the game plan you put together as well, but. You don't know answers to those things. You may think right now, hey, we're going to start him and he's going to play every snap, every meaningful snap or whatever. But you've got to evaluate that stuff as you go through practice to make sure, you know, did he ha- did he wear down later in practices? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I can't have him wearing down in the fourth quarter of a game, you know, yeah. especially if it's a tight game. All those things still have to be monitored and determined. And that's why I think people there say he's going to start and be – let's pump the brakes a little bit because a lot has I- to happen between now and then. I have no idea. I mean, Brian, do you have any idea what you're what we're going to see from Tyler Buckner? Like, I have no, no idea what no. to expect. I don't know. Is he going to come out playing well? Is he going to come out rusty? Is he going to come out, you know, in the condition level to the highest degree? Like, I have no idea. You want to talk about an outlier? You want to talk about a question mark? Tyler could be fantastic in this game, or he could be rusty and not up to snuff, and the, or he could be a guy that just is not ready to play a full football game. I don't know what to expect, guys. So. If you're asking me my prediction, I predict that we're going to see two quarterbacks. What, what's mm-hmm. the reason for seeing the second? Not 100% sure right now. I'm not. It really is dependent on who Tyler is right now. I, I just it's, – it's a question mark for me. I don't right. know. I, I didn't think that he would even be playing in this football game. So the fact that he is is just a question mark for me. But my thing is, Ryan, is even if I knew that when he's on the field he's going to play well, even if mm-hmm. I knew that, if I had full confidence in that, my whole point is you need to see him go through full practices first before you know if he's going to be able to play for four quarters. For sure. And that's my point of what you need to learn. I mean, your stuff is true because he's played, he started two games. I don't know what Tyler or Buckner we're going to get. Mm-hmm. My whole point is be, before you even get there, is mm-hmm. what's his work volume going to be? That <laughs> right. has to be assessed first. Yep. And that that'll be determined over the next, you know, 12, 13 practices as they get deeper into bowl prep. And as they measure the the analytics, not the analytics, but you know the metrics and different things of his his speed, his energy, his conditioning, how he bounces back the next day, because that's another thing that that shows me that my conditioning level is improving. Is yes, I I faded down at the end of practice for three days in a row, but my my speed at the beginning of practice was I was bouncing back better. Where at mm-hmm. the beginning of practice, boy, I, I just after a really hard work volume day, I just I was dragging the next day. Well, now I'm still wearing down late in practice, but I'm now bouncing back quicker. That's an evolution towards I'm getting back to being full speed. Mm-hmm. And then maybe the week beforehand, he's bouncing back and he's lasting full practices and you feel good about him being able to play the full game. What I'm saying is there's no way you can know that right now. I don't care what their intentions are. I don't care what they're telling sources and all that other kind of stuff. I'm telling you, practically speaking, there's no way they can know right now based on what we were told about what he was doing in practice before the 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 bowl game was announced that mm-hmm. you could have any clue that he's ready to play a four quarter football game right now. There's no way you can know that. No way you can know that. And that's why it's honestly, it's still unknown how many quarterbacks you're going to see, because we don't know yet if he can go through a full game. I would imagine that he's close to that. I would imagine his other conditioning stuff that he's doing with trainers is making them feel confident in that, mm-hmm. but you can't possibly know that from a football prep standpoint until he's out there playing football every day and taking live reps and running around and doing all those type of things, throwing 300 passes and maybe taking a couple shots or at least, you know, getting banged around a little bit that you're going to know that he's going to have the energy and endurance to do that. Right. Yeah. 
No, I mean, it's great. It's all great points. I just love that you accidentally said analytics, man. I know analytics is always on the top of your mind. It's a little Freudian slip and all. That's why I almost uh... threw up as soon as I said it. (laughs) But, you know, I said, like, I do. Analytics are absolutely a useful tool. 100%. If they're used correctly. My problem is you have all these people that don't know how to use analytics because they don't know the game. And that's the problem. But they have have an awesome algorithm. Sure. That's all that matters. Right. But does it, does it account for, okay, our long snapper is not good or we, you know, we have this or we're, or this, you know, there's just so much that goes into it. That's why you need people to still. Yeah. Exactly. Still do that. It, it's it's like uh, you know, is the quarterback going to shrink in the big moments, right? Like analytics can't tell me that. Can't yeah. tell me that. Unfortunately, we've had some questions from people, Ryan, asking us about: mm-hmm. Do we believe such and such player will jump in the portal? We're not going to go there. Yeah. Uh, we're not. I mean, I know, I, I know of what was it? What was the list I gave you the other day, Ryan? Ten. Somewhere. Ten guys, that. but it's just yeah. like, but but some of these kids have a the right to change their mind. Some of these kids may not want that information out right now. Some of these kids are not actually going to. Some of the kids that won't be on the team next year aren't actually going to leave. Some of them may stay, finish their degree, and some of them are medical. So when the kids are ready to announce, they'll announce and we'll discuss it. We knew Elcida was going to jump in. Uh, we knew the only one that we didn't know about was Drew Pine. That's the only one that we were so far that we were not aware of. So there will be other guys. We're not going to get into the and, – and on the message board, we'll let you know if this is a guy that, that we knew about or not. Like – if a kid jumps in a portal and you're like, wow, I didn't know that, then we'll say, hey, look, we did not see this one coming. So you'll kind of have an idea about it. But I just, I just, it's kind of like taking a kid's moment in recruiting. Like, what if it, if I say now, hey, so and so is going to jump in the portal based on what I'm told, but then he changes his mind or his yeah. parents have a talk with the coaches or, and say, hey, look, we're, we're going to get him straight. Don't worry. And we just give him one more shot. And, but now he's got that taint of, he was going to jump on a portal over his head. He's got to right. shake. That may happen anyway, because I can't promise that other people won't report that if they know the information we know, but we're just not going to do that. I, I mean, we have sources that literally are just tweeting out, uh, tweeting out. They, they clearly have access to the transfer portal. So they're just tweeting out every single player in the portal instead of waiting for that kid to make his announcement. So yeah. yeah. Yep. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <sighs> John A1, how do you build a team that wants to stick together in the bowl period? Guys are opting out of playoff games, games right now. College football is dying. And I, I, I don't think he's being hyperbolic at all. I don't think College football, as we know, it is dying. And, and unless someone with leadership steps up, it's going to continue to do so. And, and part of me wonders if some of these people want it to happen. Uh, that's a whole different conversation for a whole different day, and it's hard for me to say it without getting into politics. But I absolutely think that there are people that are part of college football's leadership that have no problem with college football dying. Because they don't really like college football to begin with. That's just my belief, and uh, we're going to take that into another conversation. But the guy out there on the play, I, I assume he's talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba. But that's a little bit of a different situation just because he's been injured all year, and I thought he was going to play. And and you know, there's rumblings he might be able to play at the end of the year. I'm a little surprised by it, John. I really am. But I think it's a little bit of a different situation because of the fact that he's been hurt all year. But it really surprised me. It really surprised me. He wasn't at least going to try to get ready to play in a playoff game. And okay. What if you can't play in the semifinal? You can't play in the championship. That didn't sit well with me. It really didn't sit well with me at all. So um, that's, um, uh, that's an interesting one that I've kind of really want to learn a little bit more about. So we'll see kind of how that one plays out, but 
how do you build a team that wants to stick together? You just find out guys who who are bought in. I think that's kind of the thing that you're evaluating, John, is I don't know if right now they're in position to build a team that wants to stick together as much as it's evaluating who wants to stick together and then saying next year we're building around those guys and the guys that don't want to be part of this, you know, we're going to, you're either going to get benched or uh, something like that, that needs to get, needs to get kind of dealt with and, and the guy needs to go. So I think it's as much of an evaluation of how to build that John, because at the end of the day, building that is it's about the people. Do you have guys, have you created a culture of guys that are totally bought in. I don't think that happens between USC and bowl prep. If it wasn't there before, it's not going to be here now. It's about evaluating who wants to be here, building around those guys during bowl prep. And if a kid's dragging over here, this attitude's not right, and he's a starter, look, man, I don't don't need this mess from you. Okay, If you don't want to be here, don't be here. If you think you need to sit out or whatever, then sit out. We're going to go forward, guys, I want to be here. Then that helps you build the culture for next year where you'll have more guys kind of staying around and buying in. That's what I think is is it's about as more so than it is about doing it now. It's about creating the kind of culture where these kids take such pride in putting on that gold helmet that sitting out a bowl game, ha- they have to be talked into it. Mm-hmm. That's really what it boils down to for me. And that takes time, and I don't think that can be done right now. Well, I mean, Brian, you called this an evaluation period, right? Can't this be an evaluation period for also seeing what kids – rise to the challenge right if there's like some borderline players to your point right like it doesn't have to be not every decision that's made has to be made right now from defections from the roster or players that you want back necessarily you know to the question john like i think that there's some players that maybe notre dame might even be on the fence about right now and they kind of want to see how does this player respond to the adversity how do they respond to us you know really harping on the 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 ideals that we live upon as a program. So I think that this is a huge opportunity, not only from just, again, re-emphasizing the standards, the vision, but also seeing how some players fit into that vision. Because I think that there are some players on the roster that seem like they might be a part of this solution, but maybe they aren't fully, right? So I think this is a test period for a lot of people. And it's going to be interesting to see because we know the defections that we should expect in the near future but could that could that number be bigger? Could that number be smaller? I think that's the question that we're still kind of working out with. All right, let's get to some more questions here. So we have from Brian Hockney. Brian asks, who is your top receiver in the portal that has Notre Dame interest? I, I, Ryan, I, I believe we have the same guy, correct? Mm-hmm. So do you want to go ahead and dive into that one? Yeah, I mean, they, so they've offered two wide receivers that are in the portal right now. I would say my top guy is Dante Cephas, absolutely, from Kent State. I, I'm assuming that's who Brian likes as well. Mm-hmm. I know we've we've both have taken a look at his film a little bit. And, I mean, Brian, for me, I, I think that the, the smoothness and explosiveness that yeah. he played with is really intriguing. I think that he could be a kid that could work inside and out, and he's done that at Kent State. Tracks the football pretty well, but I think that the dynamic ability that he has with the football in his hands, I've seen him have some run after catch ability, alignment versatility. This kid is a kid, a player that if Notre Dame's able to land him, because I mean, there's going to be a lot of a lot of suitors for him, right? You talk about Pittsburgh's, he's a Pittsburgh kid. Pittsburgh's offered, Penn State's offered. He's already, I think he's reported a couple more offers today. We'll see what happens with Colorado because his former head coach at Kent State just 
went over to Colorado to be the offensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. are they going to be in the running at some point? So I think there's going to be a lot of competition for him, but I think that he fits very solidly in as a slot receiver that can also play outside and do a lot of things for you. So I, I like Dante Cephas a ton out of Kent State. Kent State quietly has a couple of really good pass catchers this past season, man, very quietly. Yeah. Um, somebody said this about the Drew Pine thing, Ryan. I'll bring this up too. We, I agree with everything you said. I love the kid. He's smooth. He's electric. Yep. He's really good with the ball in his hands. Really, really like that kid a lot. I just don't think right now Notre Dame's a school that's going to get him as of right now. I agree. Uh, Keegan Johnson is a kid that is a good player. He's good with the – Keegan Johnson does a lot of things that, that Cephas does. He just doesn't do them as well. You know, he's got some speed. He's got some elusiveness. He's not a real explosive guy, but he's got, he's a quality athlete. You know, he had good production at Iowa. He would be a really nice, he, he reminds me a lot. He could do a lot of things for Notre Dame that Avery Davis did. He's just not quite as twitchy as Avery was, in my opinion, athletically. But I think he could do a lot of things that Avery Davis brought to the table. I think Cephas could do those at a much higher level, but also could play out, project outside a little bit more. I don't think Keegan Johnson for a team trying to win a championship is an outside guy, in my opinion. Agreed. And, you know, so so he's a nice player, but he's more of a depth piece where and Cephas is coming in and, and potentially starting as a slot guy. And, and Johnson's opinion. coming off of an injury this past year as well. Right. Because he right. only I, I know he Played had a games. pretty he had a pretty nice freshman year. I think he averaged like 19 yards a yeah. catch, almost had 400 yards, but he was limited, obviously, this year. Dante Cephas, although it's the Mac, I get it. Yeah. He's had two really nice years of production. in yeah, a row. But Ryan, he Mac. had six catches for over 100 yards against Washington. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, like, the kids played against Division One schools and played well. He's yeah. also played a lot. You have a lot of film to watch of him. Now, he was also a little bit banged up this year, but it was, like, it was minor stuff. You know, yeah. and he ended up he ended up not playing the end of the year, but, you know, I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he kind of, you kind of knew he was leaving. But, like, mm-hmm. uh, this year against uh, Washington, he had six catches for 105 yards against Oklahoma – he had four catches for 50 yards. He had three catches for 25 yards against Georgia. So he played against – he had three catches for 21 against AM last year, two for eight against Iowa in their past defense. But then the next week he goes out and has 10 for 151 in a touchdown uh, against uh, Maryland in the bowl game last year. He had four catches for 116 yards in a touchdown. Uh, obviously 2020 the MAC only played MAC teams. So he's got a lot of – you've got a lot of film on him against Power 5 teams. To varying levels of success, but that's again not all part of just the receiver. Part of it's on the quarterback and the you know the pressure and all that stuff. But you've got a lot of film on that kid, and we've seen a lot of film of him. I mean, that's the only film I watched to him, right? I didn't watch him terrible Ohio. I don't care. <laughs> just like I didn't, I don't care about Keegan Johnson having two catches for ninety-two yards last year uh, in twenty twenty-one against Colorado State. I don't care. Like a mediocre receiver can go for two for ninety-two against Colorado State. They're not. They're terrible. I want to see why you only had three for 25 against Georgia. And you say, okay, this kid's battling, getting open. Quarterback was just getting overwhelmed. Or he was looking like he couldn't get to him in the reads and things like that. I mean, you can see those things in those games. You're like, okay, they didn't lock him down. They didn't put clamps down on that kid the way you'd think they would a Mac receiver. That's right. the stuff I look for. It's not that, oh, he had 10, you know, 14 catches for 260 yards against Ohio. They don't mm-hmm. play Ohio. And right. him playing that well against the teams that are like Ohio doesn't matter to me. Can he help you beat? USC, Clemson, Ohio State, go to the playoff and win, and you see stuff from him. That, and, and Keegan Johnson in a role can help you with that too. He's just not going to be a dude the way that I think uh, Dante Cephas can be a dude. But again, that's at fair. the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter. Well, And, and that's, that's really important why we 
we we push to watch the film, right? Because I think that the box score does not always tell the story. I mean, I was watching a, I think it was a Southern Miss wide receiver for the year whose name I forget right now, but he's a good football player. I mean, I watched the film against Alabama. He had like two catches for 15 yards, and I'm and people I think would look at that box score and be like, oh, he didn't do anything against Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'm like, eh, he put them in a lot of tough situations, right. man. They just couldn't get them, get him the football. Right. Like, it's very different. But, well, we've talked about that. With, I mean, you receiver can't he can't throw the ball to himself, right? And and that's why you got that's why you got to look at the film, right? And sometimes yeah. you look at the film of like the kid had five catches for 120 yards, and you're like, oh wow, look, that looks good. And then you look at the film, and you're like, yeah, it was two blown coverages, and mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and he had two catches against the backups, and you know, it, this doesn't have the same ring to it. Right. Or you can see a kid, kid catch three passes for 20, and this kid was putting in work. Quarterback had no time to throw the football, yeah. and the quarterback couldn't get past his first read. But man, this kid was getting separation, was kind of getting open. You put him in our system with the talent around him that we'll have, and our quarterback looking at it from another team standpoint. Boy, this kid could be a pretty good football player, okay. and I think he would fit in their name system very well. I just like you, like you said, I think it, it's going to take some convincing for schools to get him away from where we think he's going to go. A lot of suitors, a lot of suitors. Yep. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice. Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, let's get to the next one. We have that question. Uh, Marion Hockney also asks, do you think that they'll have changes this portal going forward? They have to. I don't know if they will. I have no faith in the NCAA, Ryan, but they have you to. Hope this so. can't you continue. Because so. yeah, I mean, there's the, so many kids getting screwed West, by man. this. It's the Wild West. It's disgusting. Brian, I woke up, and last night they got to 1,000 players enter the portal in the first day, man. It's over 3,000 now, Ryan. That's it's crazy. Up and for people to say, oh, uh, you know, I don't understand why you're against this. Are you against kids getting paid? The stuff schools are doing now, if they did it in the professional sports, you'd be losing draft picks and getting fined millions of dollars for doing. The thing that you're talking about, the portal kid that we know about, who we know who I know who you're talking about. If if that happened in the National Football League, that school that's not even close to how like the the Miami Dolphins high level tampering, high level. The the Miami Dolphins lost a first round draft pick in millions Mm -hmm. of dollars and refined millions of dollars for not doing anything close. To what teams are doing with Drake May? Not even mm-hmm. close. Yeah, not even close. So don't tell me, "Well, are you afraid?" Kid, I don't have a problem with kids making money. I have a problem with this. This is wrong. And and again, NIL is not improper benefits, guys. Right? right? It's not pay to play. Right? It's different. So right. I mean, there's if, a lot of shady if, things happening. If, if you are not allowed to tamper, but a kid says, "I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to jump in a portal and then see what offers are out there." That's mm-hmm. a little different story. I don't love that because it's not supposed to be used as an enticement. You're not supposed to be using it as an enticement, but whatever. I can live with that. 
Yeah. Right. If Drake may wants to jump in and see what's out there. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Sure. You, you do realize you run the risk of, you know, not having a spot to go back to if you don't think you're going to get the offers you think you're going to get. But what sure. we're seeing now, this kid's trying to go play a championship game and he's got schools calling him and offering him money and doing all this other kind of stuff. Well, what are we doing here? What are and, we doing here? And, and I would, I would just like to say again, cause I feel like people try to paint this as like, we're anti-player we're pro player. It's still, it's anyone that says fault. that is just being, being, purposely ignorant of our of our discussion. we're not saying this is wrong of the players to take advantage of this no i would no. take advantage of the same thing i'm not it's have you the, I'm, I, the did i just world. yell did i just say anything or you say anything about i these kids are these kids are scumbags no it's they can't allow this to be the system the, the adults it's like the, the drew pine yeah. thing drew yeah. pine had no choice but to go on the portal now because mm-hmm. that's the system that was created right mm-hmm so I'm not going to bang on him for um, – he's supposed to be loyal to a team that's benching him to the point where he's there's no jobs left if he waits until after the bowl game. Why? That's dumb. Right. But he shouldn't be in the position where he has to make that decision is my point. I agree. That's my point. Michael Pratt and Drake May should not know what money is out there for them right now because if you tell them it's tampering and you're going to get fined millions of dollars and you're not eligible to sign him because that's the other thing is the Dolphins wouldn't have been able to sign Tom Brady if they wanted him at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So don't tell me, well, why do you have a, you have a problem with it in professional sports? A, this isn't professional sports. <laughs> B, there's a difference between saying the old school way of, you know, people say, well, well this false notion of amateurism. Just because that that's the way the NCAA defined amateurism is not the only way amateurism is defined, mm-hmm. okay? Because here's the thing. Don't cry to me when schools are, are processing kids out of their system to make way for transfers. Don't cry to me when all these hundreds and hundreds of high school kids don't have a home to go to at the Power 5 level because those jobs are being given to, to kids they're buying on the portal market. Don't cry to me when kids are getting screwed over, kids that are all the – because you're the ones that wanted this. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I didn't think that. Yes, you did. You, if you didn't know this was going to happen, then you're just not real bright. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. So don't don't come to me about oh, you know, you you you. I'm very pro player. I'm too very pro player. This is not right. These kids should not be having to go through this. They're being forced to make grown ass decisions at 18, 19 years old with no guidance, with no protections in place for them, with no. Like a way of saying, hey, here's the, do you know, Ryan, you know this, do you know how much work rookies have to go through to get ready to be rookies in the National Football League? The seminars and the, all the different things that they do. These kids yeah. are not being given this. No. They're not being edu- given this. Edu- this isn't pro player. Right. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't pro player. This is cowardice. This is, we lost a lawsuit. So we're going to run with our tail between our legs and just let them do everything because we don't give a crap about these kids. That's what this is. This mm-hmm. isn't pro player. What we're seeing now is not pro player. More kids are going to get screwed by this system than are going to helped by this system. It's just like we see in a lot of things. The kids at the top, this is a great system for everybody sure. else. Effed, effed. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I hate about it. That's not even counting the high school kids that are going to have a exactly. scholarship opportunities because of the trickle-down effect. Way more term, kids right? are so. getting hurt by this than helped by this. And, Ryan, it was obvious. We talked about this. You and I talked about this. I talked about this on the show when they were talking about this crap. I said this system in the NIL is going to crush kids because more kids are going to get hurt. And yet all these national people that just refused to either, A, they were too stupid to realize it, or B, they didn't care because they cared more about – 
They want to appear pro player. I don't want to appear pro player. I want to be pro player. And this is not pro player. This is not pro student athlete. It's not. This is pro business. Yeah. And and it's still the same people that are making out on this the most. It's Bama just raiding other teams. Mm -hmm. You know, like Tulane invests all they've invested into building a Michael Pratt, and they're going to lose him. Why? Because he can go get some bigger NIL deal at a school that has – how's that good for the game? How's that good for the game? So, whatever. That's my rant. Okay, let's get the last couple because I know you got to get out of here. Um, BBG should be coach. See, I said it because I've been very hard on them lately. Uh, so I'm throwing him a little bone. He's been getting very salty and, and complaining. He says, all we do is talk bad about Drew Pine, which is Clip verifiably it. false. Clip it. BBG yep. should be coach. What Clip up, it. IB Nation? Dude, after the rant I just went on, no, none of that from you. All right? Regardless of what happens with the bowl, I'm still very excited about Freeman. Keep up the great work. I think everybody should be. I think everybody should be free, uh, happy about the direction that Marcus Freeman is going right now with the program. Now I, he's just got to take that next step. I'm not one of the people that turned on him after two games, right? Like I'm, I know, I've been, right? I've been on Marcus yeah. Freeman. Man. I was accused on. of that on Twitter the other day by some idiot. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm not. You're the guy awesome. turned on uh, uh, Marcus Freeman after game four. I'm like, hold on. You're saying I turned on him after the North Carolina game? Okay, that doesn't make sense. Like, what are you talking about here? There's some really silly people on Twitter, dude. I'm there sorry. Are. There are. <laughs> all right. Anyway, next question. And, the, and from... they all and they all have fake names, so you don't oh know my who they gosh, actually yeah. are. It's exactly. awful. Ant VR question: Is there a schedule for the show posted anywhere? Yeah, there is a, a, a schedule on the show. The only we're going to move our Monday show to two, as they discussed yesterday. The only reason that today's show got moved to two, we're going to keep this show at one o'clock. But sometimes there's business things I'm dealing with. Like I got a lot going on there. Um, I'm home alone. My wife's out of town. Our dog. Uh, that's been that was sick. She threw up this morning, so I needed to monitor her and take care of her and do some things. So we just needed to push it back today. It'll normally be a one o'clock show, but that's why you need to hit the notification because sometimes we may have to push it back just because things come up. An emergency comes up with with uh, his daughter. You know, mm-hmm. the thing is with Vince taking his new job, Vince isn't able to do shows during the day anymore. You know, so it's harder to call Vince up and say, "Hey, man, can you jump on real quick to help us out?" He was able to do that on Sunday because he wasn't at school. So mm-hmm. if one of us is some emergency comes up, we're just going to have to move it back a little bit, but otherwise uh, we will have the one o'clock show Monday to Tuesday to Friday. We'll have the two o'clock show on Monday. The reason we're doing that is we want to give Sean time to finish up his lucky lefty podcast and then kind of get that edited and up on CFB nation before he has to do a show. Cause what was happening was he'd have to wait till after this show to then go edit his podcast and get it up on the platform, which was hurting him. It didn't matter before because he didn't have a show to do. Once he was done with his show, he'd just come on ours and it's all good because he they didn't have a podcast. It was just their YouTube show. But now that we're putting that on CFB Nation, they're just a little bit more to it. So we felt it was fair to Sean to allow him to, to then prep for the show and be ready, not just scrambling from the end of his show to come on to ours. It wasn't really fair to him uh, to do that and, and with all the work he had to do to get that done. So that's why we moved that. But the rest of our shows will be on 1 o'clock unless – their circumstances. Then of course, we're going to have the six o'clock Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday, the IB nation sports talk. And then they're going to kind of mess around with that little Friday rapid special edition rapid fire. Just kind of see how that goes. And and we might continue that as well. Got a question here, Ryan mailbag. If Ohio state gets smacked in the playoff and loses to Michigan next year, is Ohio state's dynasty done? I didn't know Ohio state was a dynasty. dynasty. They have, they've won one title in the last 20 years. Yeah. 
Um, they've only played in the title game twice, three times in that, no, four times in that stretch. And they lost three of them because they played in 06 and 07. Mm-hmm. They played in the title game, the BCS mm-hmm. title game, lost to Florida in 06. Yeah. And then lost to, um, um, lost to, uh, gosh, uh, LSU the next year in the title game. Remember, LSU won the title in 07 as a two loss team. They beat was, Ohio was State that, in the Sugar was, Bowl. That was Matt Feeney Wells got hurt, uh, early in that game. No, it was what. Was it Matt Flynn for LSU? Uh, no, it was um, – no, it was not. It was uh, – hold on a second. Let me look. Matt Flynn, I think, was the the quarterback. For, no, Matt Mock. It might have been Matt Flynn. I keep thinking Matt Mock was the quarterback on the 2004 team. I get him confused. I think Matt Flynn might have been their 07 quarterback. Let's see here. Yes, Matt Flynn. Yeah, I nice. always get Matt Flynn and Matt Falk confused. But okay. they won – Jacob Hester was their that. running back. Uh, they had Trenton Holiday on that team. Um, you know, they it was a, it was a – Good to two loss national champion. So, yeah, that was an interesting year. Good that's old BCS. That's yeah. that's when I didn't mind LSU. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I never liked Les Miles. I don't know what it was. I just something about that dude. He was quirky. Bill Walsh said, "Did Bill out? Did Alexander Aaronsberger get enough snaps this year?" Well, based on his talent level and and how the play was at other spots, I don't think he got enough this year. He got certainly got less than he got last year. I don't quite understand why. I don't know if he's banged up or what, but I thought he should have played more. Uh, of what I, we know, of what I, we I th- know, I think he should have played more. I, I think I picked him as like kind of a X factor reserve or something like that in the preseason. I'm pretty sure we did something like that. Right? I was kind of excited about Alexander Aaronsberger a little bit because, like you said, mm-hmm. he played a little bit last year. You saw some flashes. I mean, didn't he have a multi-sack game? Was it last year or something? If I remember correctly. And then, I mean, in the spring, Brian, like we saw him in person. I'm just like dude looks like a dude, you know, like that looks like a guy and he moves well. And I thought he was going to have somewhat of a role on the, on the defense this year. And for whatever reason, it didn't happen to your point, but uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I would have liked to see him though. Cause he's a big, long kid who has some natural talent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Get to our next question here. We have a super chat down here from Michael S. Are you advocating sacrificing winning for youth? We said very clearly, Michael, that that's not what we're doing. We answered that question at the time. Uh, very directly, but thank you for your super chat, Michael. Nick Lane, how do you guys personally feel about Brandon Hillman tomorrow? Obviously, Brandon Hillman will be making his college decision tomorrow. Ryan, I believe that Brandon also tweeted out who his five finalists were. Uh, it was no, let me just find it real quick. I know that Notre Dame yeah. was one of them, but I just want to go through the entire list to properly prep uh, Brandon's decision. But he is obviously from Portsmouth High School, uh, Churchill High School. It is Notre Dame, USC, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, and Kentucky is Brandon Hillman's final five. And, and I don't, I don't know. At 1 p.m. I was about to say, I, I got a text from his coach that it will be at 1 p.m. So Correct. just want to add that in if it was not in there. Correct. But uh, we'll find out tomorrow what his decision is, but we feel very good about uh, things going into that decision, and we'll just uh, leave it there. Yep. So – yeah. Perfect timing for a show as well. So, yep, absolutely. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, we have another super chat down here. Let me get, or actually, we'll get to those here in a second. I wanted to bring this next one up from John A1. John said, Is Burnham that much better at Viper than Aiden Gobira? Josh Burnham, that much better at Viper than Aiden Gobira? Did he, uh, had, did he pass him up as soon as he was switched to linebacker? It's, it's not so much that they're just at different places in their development. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Josh is a thicker kid already. He's put on weight a little sooner. Aiden's strong. He's twitchy and he's long, but he's really skinny right now. 
Yeah. And the strength isn't quite where it needs to be yet. So is he past him for now? Sure. But Aiden Goldbyer is one of those kids that's going to kind of kind of go like this in his career. You know, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, first couple of years, he's got to get used to the weight room. And then, bam, he's going to explode. Where Josh kind of showed up 235, twitchy, long, and in a, in a little bit stouter package compared to Aiden. I mean, Josh is by no means short or not long. I mean, he's very long and not short. He's like 6'4", but it's, Aiden's really tall and skinny. So yeah. for now, sure, he's passed him up. I just And I think still, if Aiden has the growth spurt that I think he's capable of, there's no reason you can't use him at the other end spot as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, well, but yeah. Thoughts I, would on that, say, I would say, especially next year too, Brian, like playing both those guys potentially at Viper, they bring completely different dynamics to the table. Like you talk about the body profiles, but I mean, Joshua Burnham's used to playing a lot more in space, right? So like, if you want to use your Viper more as like that true drop end type of thing to even work in coverage at times, you can do that with Burnham, but then go is more of that traditional edge rusher, right? He's had more reps, obviously being a true pass rusher outside track dude. So I think that it doesn't really matter, honestly, if somebody's passed one or the other up. It's the fact that I think that you need to use both those guys and you can use them together, which will be really interesting to see because I think they both bring completely different dynamics to the table. Next question from Dan V. Any word on how Peyton Bowen in-home visit went? Thanks for all the great content. I mean, typical in-home visit. Yeah, it went great. Uh, loved it, mm-hmm. said all the right things and all that. The in-home visit that's going to matter is the Marcus Freeman one, which will come later. Yes. This was just Chris O'Leary. Um, Notre Dame wisely has chosen to not use their big official visit now. Use it closer to signing day. It's smart. That's a smart thing Very to do. Very smart. Very yeah. smart. Yep, smart thing to do. But, look, we continue to hear the same things we always hear. If we hear anything new, I promise you we'll tell you. And I, we're aware of all the stuff that's out there. Somebody's going to be really wrong and somebody's going to be really right about this one. And, you know, we'll find out who that's going to be. But all we can do is report what he tells us and what his family says and what coaches say and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we're not going to get it's, into the, the the rumor mill stuff. You know, it's just we'll we'll find out in 15 days. Right. And, so and if, and if we are right, we're going to be very loud. And annoying yeah. About it for a yeah. Bit. Yes. There's no <laughs> doubt. I but let's see if we myself. are. Let's see if we are exactly. first. And well, it's not even about being right. It's just about we're reporting what he said, what, what's being told. Right. Sure. And if, if that, if what we're told turns out to be what the reality is, it's then it's going to confirm for me what I think is going on. Yes. And I'm going to let everybody know what I think is going on. If he ends up flipping, which again, we're only saying this to make a hypothetical. Every, mm-hmm. Nothing has changed on our end, nothing. Mm-hmm. But if he does end up flipping, then, then maybe there was some truth to the things people are saying. I, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't want to say what it would mean until it happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, we'll have a we'll have a lot to say on signing day. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Ben Tarnowski says, "Is there any chance that uh, we're going after Coach McCullough's son, the linebacker in the portal from Indiana?" Now, Ben, if you were on the message board, my friend, you would have already known this. But yes, Notre Dame's going to pursue him. I don't feel great about their chances. Mm. Um, I think there's just other places that I think are he probably views as a little bit better fits. And the McCulloughs have been known to kind of go together to places. And, you know, Dea right now, the youngest son is committed to Cincinnati, and he's looking at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame and Ohio State are not recruiting the younger son. And so I wouldn't be shocked if that's where – if they did that together. But I think he's also looking at Ohio State. I think Ohio State mm-hmm. has been the leader for a while. He was committed to Ohio State for some time. 
perhaps Notre Dame is able to get him. I just think as of right now, I don't see it going in that direction, in okay. my opinion. All right, is Notre Dame turning into linebacker you then and pump block you? <laughs> pump block, I mean, again, I, I love the the comedy of that, and it's a lighthearted comment. But look, the reality is to be linebacker you, it's not just about producing a great linebacker every couple of years. It's about producing great linebacker cores with regularity. When Penn State was linebacker you, because they had a great linebacking core every year. Guy leaves, somebody yeah. else steps in, and he's a beast. That guy leaves, somebody else steps in, and he's a beast. You know what I mean? And that's just kind of, you know, that's kind of where you want to be, right, they, as a program. They, they went from Paul Plazlesny to Dan Connor to Sean Lee to Navarro yeah. Bowman. Like, yeah. it was just well, And then before that, it was LeVar Arrington. And yes. then even before that, you go back in the like 80s. Matt Mellon, like, yeah. They yeah. always had great linebackers, not just a guy. <laughs> Yes, You know, like Notre Dame has Jalen Smith and then Joe Schmidt. And I mean, no disrespect to Joe Schmidt, but it's different than when you're watching Ohio State and they've got Bobby Carpenter, James Laronitis and Marcus Freeman or Anthony Schlegel. And you're like, dude, all these guys can play, yep. you know, or, or what was the one team? It was because uh, Freeman, it was it was I'm trying to remember the the year that Marcus Freeman was uh, led to Ohio State in tackles. Let me just go. Let me just go look at this real quick because I get some I get confused on like did Hawk come before or after? Hawk, I think Hawk like, was before. I think that was Laurinaitis so, and Carpenter. Yeah. So you you had their the 2016. You know your mm-hmm. linebackers were your top two linebackers were Marcus Freeman and James Laurinaitis, right? Mm-hmm. And then was it 07? I think Freeman was the leading tackler on the 07 team. So then Laurinaitis, I believe. Uh, was yeah that no he wasn't lead, second leading tackler he was leader in solos, you know but you kind of go from those two dominate well then what did you have the year before those two took over, it was AJ Hawk Anthony Schlegel and Bobby Carpenter, they leave and who steps in Marcus Freeman and James Laronitis, right and that's what great that's what LBU type thing needs to be it's not just a great player, it's yeah. you've got to produce great great rooms consistently, and Notre Dame has produced a top linebacker as well, if not better than anybody it's, the last decade. It's just it, not the whole group has not been as good. It's still wild to me that they went from AJ Hawk at middle linebacker to James Laurinaitis. That's just insane. Well, crazy. he was actually their will on that team. Schlegel was their mic. Anthony Schlegel oh, was the air force transfer. I believe was the mic on that team. Hmm. And then Carpenter was kind of like that outside Sam kind of would yeah. play on the edge and do some different things. But I believe hmm. that Schlegel was their mic. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but I'll have to go back and look at that. But yeah, that was a really, really good group. But yes, and then you're correct. And so then what do they do after that? <laughs> you know what I mean? They go to James Laronitis and Marcus Freeman, who was a top hundred recruit coming to high school. So yeah, it was uh it was it was it was impressive to see what they were doing. But and, and like Miami was like that, right? Like it just every year they're not just producing a great linebacker, they've got two or three guys on every team. Mm-hmm. And that's what the that to me is what the the best teams do, Ryan. That's what I sure. think the best teams do. So yeah, yeah, I'm watching this right now. Uh, it looks like from looking at it, yeah, it, Notre Dame is lined up in the field, and then Schlegel's playing Mike, and it looks like it looks like. Uh, man, I remember how excited I was first play of that game. Quinn goes deep, and Samarja can't haul it in. You're like, oh man, they're going deep on play one. I miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> just went, just took a bomb, and Samarja just smoked, smoked the defense to get behind. So, but yeah, that was uh, I. I was feeling good about that game early on, man. I really mm-hmm. they were moved, they moved the ball on them. But yeah, I'm looking here as well. Yeah, it looks like Schlegel was the mic, and uh, at least in this game, Hawk was the as the will. 
So mm-hmm. now again, a wheel back then was a lot different than what a wheel is now. <laughs> you know what I mean? True. Like it was more of a true box guy. Yeah. But AJ Hawk was a monster in college. Monster, oh man. my gosh. He's one of the best college linebackers I've ever seen. Him and uh, Chad Greenway at Iowa. Yeah. Oh, he was silly. He was a tackle machine. Now, I'll say this of all the great backers Ohio State produced in that time, uh, with all due respect to James Laronitis and Bobby Carpenter and Marcus Freeman, all those guys, AJ Hawk was to me hands down the best. Hands down. There's a reason he went to Andy Katzenmeyer, Katzenmoyer. He was another guy that was a, you know, really good college player, not a real bright guy, but a really good college player. He was so, a, oh man, he was something. <laughs> he, if you look up, this is going to sound really mean, and it probably should head. You're going to say, if you look up Meatwad in the dictionary, it's like a picture of Andy Katzenmore. Was not uh, I'm sure Andy Katzenmore would probably Meathead's that, probably a honest. better, a better, uh, a better way of saying that. It's probably yes. a better way of saying that. So, <laughs> yeah, I got a super chat down here from Ed Three. Great show, guys. Thank you very much for the super chat and the kind words. Keep up the great work. Take a breath once in a while when ranting, Brian. Uh, LOL. Just kidding. I look, man. I get fired up. You know, and 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 to Brian Hockney, Brian, I'm not upset with you. You're good, buddy. I love the question. It, it, it look, I get mad about it, but it's because I'm passionate about because I, I I'm passionate about it. So, you know, you guys get me, uh, you guys, you guys get me kind of fired up. It's it's uh, you know, it's I don't mind it. I enjoy, I enjoy because it it's I'm passionate about it. And I, I want I want you all sometimes to be able to see into that passion. It doesn't mean I fake it or anything like that, but I'm pretty ticked off about this because I because look. It's like with anything. You look at history and you look at military, you look at any any institution, you you were all given like responsibility to be stewards of this great thing during our time. Right? And so you're elected president. Well, your responsibility is to be a steward of a of what I have believed was a great nation for a long time and your job is to leave it better than you found it, right? And and to build on the legacy and and not do things to hurt it. And the problem is for years, you have people in charge that were just they weren't they didn't really view it as it wasn't about the game. It's been going on for a long time. And and the stuff going on now is a byproduct of the way that they ran it for so many years that led to this because they the the I've never been a paying players guy. I'm still not a paying players guy. I don't think you should be paid for playing sports at the collegiate level. I believe that if you are someone who can make a profit off of your hard work and your name and your likeness, you should be allowed to do that. But I'm not a fan of paying players because I don't want to make them employees and then all that comes with it. It's not right for them. It's not good for them. It's not good for the game. But they ran it so far to the other extreme for so long that this was inevitable. And and so my anger doesn't come now. My anger is that the decisions now, like what they were doing for so long didn't hurt the game, it hurt players. What they're doing now not only hurts players, it hurts the game. And that's why I get really ticked off. And that's where I get frustrated by what I'm seeing. And so... That's what I want to see fixed. Okay. Uh, but uh yeah, I mean that's why I'm that's why I'm fired up about it. School. All right, let's see here. Let's get down to some more questions here. We've got um A A Bet ND. Do you expect any commits to take in-home visits with other schools? Also, are there uh, any coaches who need a good bowl prep and game to feel secure with their standing on the staff? Well, I think everybody should 
should kind of look at the bowl prep as another opportunity to um, to kind of go out and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go out there and make sure that we're doing what we need to do to go out and win and and make this coach feel that he should keep me around. I mean, I think everybody should kind of have that. I don't think anybody should take anything for granted right now. I mean, even Harry Heastan and, and how well I think he did. Um, I, look, there's also some games where his players didn't play well enough. I don't think anybody this year except maybe Mike Mickens and Brian Mason can look at the job they did and say, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I got this thing locked down. As far as any other players taking in-homes, I mean, Peyton Bowen's going to take in-homes. I would not be surprised if Jaden Lamar takes in-homes. There will probably be some kids that take in-homes um, over the next couple weeks, so brace yourself for that. I don't know of any outside of the Peyton Bowen who who's kind of already done that. I don't know of any that will, but I, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it'll be a lot. And of course, though, I, I take that you said other schools. So obviously, we're not talking about in homes with Notre Dame. They'll all take have in homes with Notre Dame. So yeah, that's um, there you go. So anyway, let's get to some more questions here. Uh, last couple, we're going to wrap up here. Domer TX twenty two. Haven't seen you in a while. So glad to see you there. Are you more surprised that Riley or Barnes has not been able to see the field so far? More surprised by Barnes. I really thought that he would um, he would have a chance to. To, to get in the mix more, to be honest with you. I, I really did. So, um, yeah, I thought he would be a kid that could really play for Notre Dame. Now, he's still a redshirt freshman, right? So it's 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 not – I think the other thing, too, that hurt Ryan Barnes was Benjamin Morrison. I mean, as much as I loved Ryan Barnes and I still think he's a heck of a player, I think he got – he and others got beat out by a guy that was better and a guy that I graded out higher. I Look, I said during the last signing period that Benjamin Morrison was the best cornerback to sign with Notre Dame in a decade, right? Like, he was that good. I didn't think he'd be this good this fast, but I thought he'd be good. Like, I thought he'd eventually be an All-American caliber player. I just didn't think he'd be as a freshman. Like, maybe red redshirt freshman, but um, not not as a true freshman. I just, uh, yeah. I uh, It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. All right. Here's um. So here's another question here uh, from TJ Salika, who just signed up for the message boards. TJ, glad to have you on. Do you think Brian Mason takes an NFL job? I don't know. I know the Eagles will probably be in the mix for Sparker. I mean, we can speculate all we want about guys taking jobs. I mean, I, I have no idea. I he has no NFL background, as far as I know. So um, I I couldn't tell you. I don't believe so. Um. So, yeah, I, I, I believe so. So there's some people saying that uh, uh, that Andre Carter, the DN from Western Michigan, was offered by Notre Dame. I was told that's not accurate. Whether that's going to change or not, I don't know. But I was told that that's not accurate. So I'll do some more digging into that, but uh, I will uh, – I will uh, – yeah – as of right now, I don't believe that that's accurate. So I don't know who's reporting that. I just see people in the chat saying that. I don't know if um, if the young man reported it or, or what's going on. I, I can't speak to that, but I do know that I was just told that that's not um, that's not accurate. So we shall we shall see. All right. So there's a lot of it, look, y'all. This is why I try to tell y'all on the message board: stop, stop, um, stop just repeating every rumor you see. For example. There was a story put out yesterday or the day before by um, I 
won't even say, but a, a, a made like a, one of the big sites, like the big national people. And it was about a kid that is in the portal and how Notre Dame was going to be a school he's going to look at. So I reached out to my sources and they're like, I'm not recruiting that guy. Like I haven't even looked to film of that guy yet. And so there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that going on. So I still tell you, I'll just pump the brakes. There are schools that are saying a kid's getting offered because they want to use that against them for another kid. Like you're going to see a lot of this stuff go on. And so that's why we try to tell you if Notre Dame's a player for a guy, I promise you, we'll tell you, I promise you, we'll tell you. And so, um, yeah, I, I, yeah, we'll, we'll tell you, I promise. Uh, Tra- Trucker Joe says, Tayshawn Lyons is Notre Dame in his final four. I thought Irish moved on from him. They did. Uh, just like when, um, wasn't it, uh, Caden Proctor had Notre Dame as final four. They weren't recruiting him. There's been about off the top of my head. I can think of at least six or seven kids this year that have had Notre Dame in their final list and they're not being recruited by him. Uh, there's a defensive end from Utah who I love as a player, by the way, that released a top 10 like a month or so ago, and um, Notre Dame's not recruiting him. They would love to, but they're just not able to. Hit that like button, everybody. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell. Sign up for the message boards. We're going to have a ton more intel on there, and we'll give you real intel, not this person said this, so we run with it and act like we have it too. None, none of that stuff. We'll try to parse through all the BS, and there's a lot out there to try to give you guys as best we can uh, just where things actually are and uh, without all the clickbait and all the other nonsense. So you're definitely going to sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Uh, definitely check that out. I have a, if you're a member of the message board, um, we have a new Christmas code. So you can get 25% off your entire purchase to the, to the merch store. Uh, if you are a, just a regular listener to the show or whatever, you can email me at brian at irishbreakdown.com and I'll gladly give you that. You don't have to be a premium member. If you are a regular watcher, regular listener, uh, you can get access to our 25% off merch store because IB family is beyond is more than just the people that pay to be on the message board. We know that some of you can't are not in a position to do that. And so we understand that, but you're all part of the IB family, all IB community. So I uh, just don't necessarily want to give that out over the air. If you just email me at brian at irishbreakdown.com or brian at driscollpublishing.com, they both work. I will send you the code, the promo code for our Christmas special, which runs through December 31st. So 25% off your entire merch store purchase. I added a couple new items, a bucket hat and IB bucket hat, which I like. And then uh, the pullover, uh, the it's a white, there's a white one, a blue one, and I think a gray one. Uh, it's an Adidas pullover with the IB logo on it. So uh, it's a very cool item. It's just pricey, but uh, very cool item. So Vince was wearing one the other day. I have a, a navy blue one as well. So it's pretty, it's pretty comfortable very comfortable. So anyway, check those out as well. So like, subscribe, notification bell, sign up for the message boards. And of course, of course, join us again on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.
for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.